Tweet at Miriam O'Call. On this day, 44 years ago, in 1979, the people of Bantry in Cork were woken in the early hours of the morning when a huge tanker exploded at Whiddy Island, resulting in the death of 50 people. It remains the greatest maritime disaster in the history of our country. And one of those who died was 31-year-old father of three, Tim Kingston, who worked as the pollution officer for Whiddy at the time. Tim left behind his young widow Mary and their three young children and this morning I'm joined by Mary and by one of her children Michael good morning to you both Mary and Michael Good morning, Miriam. Good morning, Miriam. I'm conscious, you know, it's 44 years ago, Mary, but if I could begin with you, it must be very hard for you to believe, is it, that 44 years have passed since that awful time? Yes, it is, Miriam. You know, you kind of wonder at times, uh, time flies by, but at the same time, you know, you think of it often. Uh, That day, the day, every year it's the same for the anniversary. We feel it very much. And for you too, Michael? Yeah, I mean, it's in our lives on a constant basis and in the lives of of all the other families who, you know, we think of deeply um, today, the Irish families, the O'Sullivans, Shanahan's, Warner's, O'Shea's, O'Leary's and, and Brennan's and all the French families. In, in a way, it's an ongoing nightmare, Miriam, because, you know, death is 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 acceptable when you know what happened, but um, this is such a um, scandalous failure in in relation to the, um, what happened and 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 why it happened that it's it, you can't have any closure, and that's the reality, unfortunately, and that's the way the families have been left. Well, look, we're going to come back to that, but if we can go back, Mary, would you mind telling us what you remember? from that night in early morning and what Tim, your husband, was doing that time? He was working that night. He stood in for somebody else who wanted to go to the sales and caches in Cork. And it was Michael's birthday. So as usual, we went to mass and we brought my dad down. We had dinner and Tim went to bed for his usual three to six as he was working that night. He, He always wanted to be nice and fresh going to work. And then he got up and took my father home on the way. He left 15 minutes early as my father was very feeble to help him out of the car when he got to the village. I spoke to him that night at 11, just before 11, and everything was fine. But then I got a phone call from my friend in Skibreen to tell me there was a terrible disaster sometime past uh, maybe 20 to 1. Uh, and she thought Tim was at home with me and I told her he wasn't. And uh, I, I got up and got my father-in-law to go for my brother and my sister and Tim's two aunts and he brought them down and we stayed up all night. I never heard from Tim again, God rest him. And at what stage, Mary, did you realise that your Tim had died. When Tim didn't get in touch with me, Mm. it would be his first thought, me and his children. And um, when he didn't get in touch with me, I knew Tim was dead. But, you know, we went to Mass in the morning in Goline and we prayed for Tim's soul. 
I was convinced he had died and and but I hoped that maybe he was thrown somewhere through the uh, magnitude of the explosion. I didn't understand those uh, something as disastrous as that. And, um, you know, mm. his body wasn't found for eight months. Gosh. And, but, uh, you know, uh, his body was found with two others and there was no trace burning whatsoever on their bodies and this tells an awful lot and it was never once mentioned at the tribunal. I believe that the Fastnet disaster, I'm sure you heard of that, mm. that it erupted the sea in Bantry Bay and brought up their bodies and if there had been a boat there, they would have been saved. It's as simple as that. Tim must have taken the little rubber dinghy and that he probably pulled it. He was a very powerful swimmer and they were two non-swimmers. They were all found together. Michael, what do you remember from the day? It was your fourth birthday, is that right? That day was my fourth birthday, the, the day of the disaster leading up to that night. I remember it as a wonderful day. I said this in, in the documentary that RTE did. Fire in the Sky, the wonderful work of uh, Michael Lawless and Donal O'Hurley, mm. that people think that it's, you know, very sad that that was my birthday, but it was actually probably the greatest day of my life that I had that birthday as my last memory. I remember playing, I got a toy helicopter, one of those that has a sort of rotor that you pull with a with a elastic band, and, and my father gave me that for my birthday, and he was playing with it with my uncle in the in the back garden, I remember that. And I remember just a happy day and and then everything utterly changed obviously the, the next morning. We know there was a terrible fire. Tell us what happened. Well, I mean this is this was the huge controversy um that the Irish taxpayer had to spend multiples of millions in a in a tribunal to get to the bottom of and what actually happened was that a small fire started at 12.30 to 12.32, and then that developed over the next 25 minutes or so until there was a massive explosion between 1.06 and 1.08. So in the critical moments at the beginning when the safety systems should have been activated by the controller, those on the offshore jetty and the crew of the Betelgeuse could not fight the fire because they had no firefighting system, no rescue took place. And as found by the tribunal, Gulf Oil had removed the bridge to the island in order to get two tankers in at once. And for the listeners that are unaware of the jetty off Whitty Island, it's a, off an island, totally isolated. And the island is, it, it's not even by the mainland. Whitty Island is a mile and a half out from Bantry Pier. And the safety tugs that were supposed to be beside the vessel under legal requirement of the Irish state, which held that you had to have a means of escape, they were moved 20 minutes away at the other side of the island, out of sight, rendering them useless. And they had to wait for a rescue and, and died in a horrific manner. And, and at the last, like my father, he tried to swim, swim to, to safety. By then it was too late, so they basically were denied their natural human instinct to save themselves because of all the all they were relying on a system that utterly failed. And Mary, at that time, you were a very young woman, you had three young children. 
How did you even go about telling your young children that their dad was gone? Oh, I told them. I told them that morning. Michael was up at six because there were people in the house. My friend had phoned for the doctor to come down. She felt that the shock of it might be too much for me. She was in a terrible state, having told me about the disaster. And the doctor stayed a couple of hours and we we all talked and prayed that night. And I actually told them that morning that their daddy was in heaven. Michael, I know you believe your mum was an inspiration, wasn't she? In, in, in the way she coped and in the way she told you all and minded you afterwards. Yeah, I mean, Miriam, it's it's an awful thing to happen. And, you know, we're not the only people to suffer tragedy. There are people across Ireland listening that know how difficult um, it is and, and know of the importance of the strength of of people around you. And particularly when you're a child, you know, you... You're, you're um, in the hands of adults. You derive your your stability from those around you. And, and my mother, you know, we had a normal childhood because of the indefatigable strength of spirit of my mother, um, supported by my aunt, Norma, and, and, my, and my uncle, and, and, um, and, and other people and friends. So... Um, you know, mom is is one of those, um, you know, Manana Hare and mm. great women of Ireland that, that um, demonstrated incredible strength. People like yourself, Miriam, and, and other great Irish ladies um, that, uh, you know, stood up and, and, and showed other strength and, and, and leadership. But, you know, I can hear as well, it's 44 years on, but the impact is still immense on you emotionally, isn't it? The loss of your dad and everything that happened. Well, the, the, yes, Miriam, it is. And and um, it's a hard burden to, to carry when you know that there was such failure. The thing that makes it so difficult is that there's no empathy. There's no thought for families who have suffered. There's no support in commemorations. There's no support in modern tragedies for families when they're asking questions. There's been repeated massive failure, and that adds to the burden of grief, and it doubles down on grief for all of the families where this is concerned. And Mary, do you feel the same way? I I know that Mary McAleese, our former president, featured in that great documentary too, because I think she was a journalist at the time, and she spoke about how she too couldn't believe that you were never given answers. And no wonder you're upset by that. Yes, um, she felt very much for all those that suffered. And we can hear Mary McAleese now from the documentary. To put people's lives at risk in order to save money. That's what Witty's all about. Total did it. Gulf did it. There are consequences for that. And they aren't just in that year and they aren't just after the report. They're forever. They're for life. There are people who go to their graves broken because of the loved ones they've lost. There are also people who go to their graves frustrated and angry that massive international concerns like Gulf and Total could try and make little of them, you know? Make so little of them that they would lie about an event like that or try to cover it up in some way or not just be open and decent about it. You know, it's the absence of decency.
God, you can really hear the exasperation in her voice there, Mary, for you and I suppose for all of the other families. Our main aim is that this will never happen to anybody again. It took eight months, Mary, didn't it, for you to actually get the widow's pension? Roughly eight months, yes. The bodies weren't certified, even though it was quite obvious that anyone working on that jetty that night would never survive, given what happened. The state denied acknowledgement of death until the inquest, but neglected to dot the I's and cross the T's in relation to the massive reasons why a monumental disaster happened, but they have no problem doing it when it comes to messing people around in relation to to pensions whose husband has been basically uh, wiped off the face of the earth. Has anyone ever said sorry officially? No, there was a call for an apology in 2019 at the commemoration in Bantry when the whole world turned up in acknowledgement not just of those who died but very importantly the role of the rescue services and how important it is to implement regulation properly so that our precious rescue services are not unnecessarily called out. The uh, senior members of, of the government that were invited didn't turn up just as they hadn't turned up in 2009. And so some home truths were told um, in, at that commemoration. And it was clearly stated there, I stated it at the end of, of, of the commemoration, that an apology, an official apology for what happened must be issued because the failings were monumental. The regulatory failings that led to this disaster that allowed the uh, company Gulf Oil to do what it did. There was no government oversight. They breached regulation and that was the fault of the government uh, regulators. That call was repeated following the fire in the sky excellent production in October 2021. And several TDs from all parties called for a state apology. That was completely ignored. But the time for an apology is over because there's only one way to to actually deal with this. It's so serious and the repeated regulatory failures that have led to death across Ireland and are still leading to death. And that's the rule of law. If you die, you have a right to a proper investigation into your death. It's our final right. It's our inquest under Irish law. Mm. Um, and it's a constitutional right. When that, and it's clearly established, is carried out, you do not just look at the narrow physical cause of death. So my father is deemed to have died on his death certificate as death by asphyxiation due to accidental drowning. And what, what you must do is look at the surrounding circumstances. Now, this was a clearly established, many people will be familiar with the Hillsborough Stadium disaster in the United Kingdom, where everyone died of asphyxiation due to crushing. Mm. That was the narrow physical cause of death. But under Article 2 of the European Convention of, of Human Rights, you must look at the surrounding circumstances, and that includes the role of the authorities, the regulations that were in place, and an analysis as to whether things were carried out properly and if there are breaches of regulation, that must be looked at. And so there were breaches of regulation where Hillsborough was concerned. The families had to fight to have the certificates changed from 
than physical cause of death to all 96 were changed to unlawful death. Now, where Witty Island is concerned, the breaches are monumental regarding safety. I mean, it's so clear-cut and atrocious that the deaths were unlawful and it should state unlawful death on the death certificates. Now, to make the matters even more incredible, Miriam, and I've only just discovered this, that was the the families, because um, we have had received no engagement from the government, would have to make an application to um, have the, the death certificates changed on to unlawful death. Our reasoning for that would be was that um, if Ireland had held their hands up and said, right, we must never fail to implement regulation again, given what happened to these 50 people who were wiped off the face of the earth and always be on watch and implement international regulation, then um, that would be great. But we're continuing to fail to implement international regulation. There is a judgment against Ireland from July 2020 for the manner in which we investigate maritime tragedies where our department officials were on the investigation board, which was contrary to international law, and that now has to be changed. If we behaved in a manner that we had learned lessons from 1979, then um, then we, we might not be doing this. Mary, would it make a big difference to you, A, if you got a state apology, and B, if Tim's death was described as unlawful? Would that make a big difference to you? Well, I do think that they should stand up and, you know, face what's happened. And not just for me, for all the French people. Of course, Michael, most of those who died as well, they were French, many of them young men working yeah, they were they were on the vessel, Total's vessel, the Betelgeuse, and they um, had had a very arduous journey from from the, the Gulf, Arabian Gulf, um, to Bantry, um, and spent their their Christmas at sea. And there was um, forty two French people. One was a woman, um, Madame Lassalle, Marcel Lassalle. She was visiting her husband, so one family lost both parents. And then, very sadly, I I um, discovered in the coroner's files recently, when I got the manifest of of those on board, that one was a 16-year-old boy who was apprentice. So it was obviously his first trip, and it's awful to think that that um, there was a 16-year-old boy, and that we never never knew that, and our community didn't know that. And I'm sure we would have done something for his parents. But anyway, we only just discovered that. So, so um, there's stories of of, of um, sadness all over France, and we're very close to the French um, families. There's an organisation called the French Irish Association of Relatives and Friends of the Battle Jews, and um, they've been through terrible um, pain due to distance and. And it's a hard journey for them to come to Bantry. Um, but despite that, they love Bantry. And they love the people who are so kind to them on a community and local level. And, and there is a strong bond between the families and, and Bantry. Mary, did it help that in the end Tim's body was found and you could bury oh, him? Oh, it helped very much. 
Yeah, it didn't. I wanted Tim's body to be found for my children, that they'd have a grave to go to for their dad, right? Uh, to me, it didn't matter. Tim loved the sea. And if he was to go anywhere, he'd have his ashes scattered in the sea. But it was important for my children to have that grave to go to. And Michael, you've made it your life's work, really. You became a maritime lawyer. You know so much about the area. But did it make a big difference to you that you did have a grave to go to where your dad was? Oh, um, it made a massive difference, Miriam. I mean, the difficulty that I witnessed for the French families, you know, 23 bodies were never found. is heart-wrenching to, to witness. And to, to be able to go to my father's grave has been obviously massively um, important and my heart pains when I think of all the people in that situation. Well look Mary and Michael thank you so much for chatting to me this morning and I'm so very sorry about what happened to your father and husband. Thank you Mary. Thank you Mary. And you can, of course, listen back to that wonderful RT radio documentary, Fire in the Sky. It's on the RT radio player right now, on the Dock on One app or wherever you get your podcasts.